Now to hear this gospel reading uh, and receive it for what it really is, we get to put ourselves in the shoes of the people who are named by the gospel, the Jews. Now, this is probably a good idea anytime we read scripture, any passage, uh, but the basic, you know, the, 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 the tension uh, between Jesus and the Jews, that is an conver- ongoing conversation and tension that we may recognize in our own lives, in our own Christian faith. The, the mistakes, the, the misunderstandings, as well as the faith, own them as our own. Because as long as we receive these stories as stories about those people who got it wrong, who didn't get it, and thank God we get it, we're going to misunderstand. We're not going to receive the presence of Christ, see the glory of the Lord in this one named Jesus in the way that God intends us. So the gospel according to John, glory to you, O Lord. Now, the Passover of the Jews was near. So Jesus went up to Jerusalem. And when he came in, selling cattle and sheep and doves and money changers seated at their tables. So making a whip out of cords, he drove them all out of the temple, both the cattle and the sheep. And he poured out the coins of the money changers and flipped over their tables. He told those who were selling doves, get those things Quit making my father's house marketplace. And Jesus' disciples remembered where it was written in Scripture that zeal for your house will consume me. Then the Jews asked Jesus, What sign will you give us for doing these things? And Jesus said, Destroy this temple. And on the third day, raise it up again. The Jews answered Jesus, Come on, this temple's been under construction for 46 years. And you? You're going to raise it up in three days? But Jesus had been speaking about the temple of his body. And after Jesus was raised from the dead, his disciples remembered these words. They they trusted in the scriptures and the words the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. One of the keys, I think, to understand what Jesus is all about in this passage is zeal. Zeal for your house will consume me. But we'll get to that in a minute. You know, this time that Jesus came to the temple is, is in a lot of ways like the season we're in right now. It was a time of preparation. You know, the Passover, for the Passover festival, you know, people came from all over, all over the country and converged on Jerusalem 
and came to the temple. It was a long journey, a hard one, a joyous one. And because of all of that, they, people came early. Not just to, to make sure they were there on time and didn't miss the festival, but also to use the time, the days before the festival, to prepare their hearts, to prepare their spirits, to, to get right with God so they could have the peace and assurance of those festival days. The story of Jesus protecting God's people. So it was in this time that Jesus came and screwed up that whole process, interrupted that usual preparation for the ritual, the part, the part that had become ritual itself. Lots of people just like us participating in that in good faith had their piety, their devotion, their worship interrupted. I mean, maybe one thing we can take away from this not knowing anything else about it is simply that when we focus on a right place or on a right way of doing things, we risk missing the glory of God standing right in front of us. Zeal for your house will consume me. It's actually a line from one of the Psalms. And right in that psalm is another verse that, that says that the praise of God in song is worth more to God than many oxen and many bulls. It was already at the heart of the faith that Jesus and all those folks had come to celebrate. It was already there what God really desired. The authenticity of a, of a heart in song. You know, maybe you're not given to spontaneous song like we might see in a musical <laughs> or in a movie. But there is a way in which these songs that we long to sing, that today Ruth will be singing for us, they express something deep and true. And that is worth more to God than so many other heroic things we might imagine that we could do. Jesus was inviting all the folks who came to prepare, to prepare their hearts about what that actually meant, where to put the emphasis turns out that Jesus will quote this psalm, or at least allude to this psalm. The gospel will make a nod to this psalm when Jesus is on the cross. Somehow his death, his life and death and resurrection has everything to do with this 
with reorienting worship and helping humans just like us reorient our hearts. Not long from now, Jesus will have a conversation with a woman at a well, a Samaritan, and they'll have a conversation about worship of all things. I'm sure that comes up a lot when you're just perusing the shelves at High V. Where are we supposed to worship is the basic question. You say in Jerusalem, we say on this mountain, Jesus says, where? Where is not going to matter. The point is to worship the Father The day is coming, meaning his own death and resurrection, the days after that, that it's about worshiping the Father in spirit and in truth. That's what we're here to do. But it's also what we're out there to do. Whether we're gathered or whether we're scattered, whether we're within the walls of this building or not, worship in spirit and truth. So these COVID days have been difficult days for churches. I've known of many congregations where there have been destructive conflict around where we will worship and how. There have been people who have left their congregations, pastors who have been invited to leave or have left of their own accord. It's been hard. And I celebrate. For that reason, the the focus that St. Paul has seemed to have, that there is something that is more important about where. Whether, Whether we're coming to worship here inside this building or whether we're coming to worship by turning on the TV and pulling up a seat on our couch. What we all need to come to Jesus. That's what we're looking for. Contact. We can worship God in spirit and truth. Well, we've learned to do that in a whole bunch of new ways this year, haven't we? had the chance to talk a little bit with some St. Paul this week about worship, about what we've learned. And I heard someone say, you know, I have really learned in this, this last year how much I took worship for granted. But that gathered worship, you know, when we're all together and singing and what we're longing for. I didn't value it the way I realize now that I miss it, that I really do. And so what, what is the, there's been such an interruption, but where is Jesus? Where has Jesus been for you, for us as a congregation? What, what's, the, what's the new way or the change that Jesus is inviting us to make in the focus that we put on our worship? I'm not sure I have all the answers, but I have been reading a book called The Art of Gathering. There's this one little section of the book where she talks about 
the way, Mar- uh, the way Martha Stewart would prepare for an event. You might see this on her old TV show or in her magazine that preparing for an event is all about preparing things. It's about preparing a, a centerpiece for the table, preparing the food, setting the table, creating whatever else. This author invites us to leave that aside. Especially when we come to worship, it seems to me that our focus should be on preparing ourselves, preparing each other, preparing people instead of things. I don't know yet what preserving that focus might mean for how we worship differently. But one thing, a little tiny thing, maybe you noticed, I saved the announcements after we set our purpose for today. Our purpose of turning our hearts and returning all of the other business and the logistics that can wait even just three minutes. One of the lovely things about this gospel passage is this way in which past and present and future are all held within it by the the fact of the disciples remembering, remembering the scripture, zeal for your house will consume me. Or later on, they look back on this moment and understand. One of the things they understand that not everybody understood at the moment was that what Jesus was talking about was his body, not about the temple. There in itself, a reorientation away from walls and a ceiling and a floor to a person. The presence of God, not in a building, but in Jesus. And then I like to think, you know, maybe I wonder, as they remembered after Jesus was resurrected. I mean, had they taken the next step, which is to realize that they, we, are the body of Christ. So where is the presence of God but in the body that is with us, among us, within this community of Jesus? whether we are gathered or whether we are scattered. The presence of God is with us. Not any one of us can carry that glory ourselves. Just like no single person can carry all of the weight of of sin ourselves. We make our confession together and we bear the presence of Jesus together. What we do here, hopefully, I pray, I think all of us do, is that we can be awakened to seeing Jesus here and now. 
not, not just here and now, but having caught a glimpse here, we can catch glimpses there. And that in our hearts we can bow and return once again and worship this God of love in spirit and truth. Thanks be to God.